There were four pastors who went away on a spiritual retreat together, and one evening as they were sitting in the cabin, somebody had the idea, you know, brothers, it'd probably help us if we just kind of confessed our greatest temptations to one another, and so we might pray for each other, and uh, they, they finally decided that's a good thing to do, and so the first pastor said, well, it's kind of embarrassing, but my biggest temptation is anger. He said, as a matter of fact, I yelled at my kids just last night. Second pastor said, well, my temptation is worse. Uh, my temptation, my greatest temptation is gambling. He said, in fact, one Saturday, instead of preparing my sermon, I went to the racetrack and I bet on the horses. Third pastor said, well, mine is worse still. He said, I, I just sometimes can't control my urge to drink. I, I don't want to do this, but, but I have this overcoming urge from time to time, and I, and I, and I, I just can't control my urge to drink. The fourth pastor sat there quiet for a while, and he said, well, brothers, I, I hate to say this, but my temptation is even worse of, is, is worse of all. He said, I love to gossip, and if, and if you'll excuse me, I got a few phone calls I'm going to go make. <laughs> well, we all struggle in one way or another, don't we? For the last couple of months, I've told you that, and it started back in the uh, sabbatical, uh, I've told you that the last couple of months, I, from time to time, I go away to a cabin. You hear me talk about the cabin. I, I don't own the cabin. In fact, I barely know the man who does own the cabin, but he's very gracious to let me and others uh, use his cabin. And, and the cabin is just a place where you can go away, get alone, and just kind of get with God. I'm not the only one that uses it. There are a lot of college kids that, that use it as well. And one of the things that uh, you'll find in the cabin is a diary or a journal. In fact, I was just there yesterday morning. That's kind of been my habit lately, that that's where I spend my Saturday mornings as I try to get away and get with God at the cabin on Saturday mornings. And so yesterday morning, I saw it again. I walked into the cabin. One of the first things I saw on the desk, the journal was laid open. Somebody had written something recently in the journal, and the pen was laying there. And that's just kind of the way that things operate there. When you go to the cabin, the journal is there. You don't have to write in it, but many people do choose to write in the journal. And what they often write are prayers to God. They talk about their struggles. They just write out a prayer to God as if they're praying out loud, but they write it out. And then they leave it there open for the next person to see as you come in so that you can pray for them. And so that you'll know you're not the only one struggling. And so I don't think I'm betraying confidences in what I'm about to share. Uh, but I, I sat there on more than one occasion and looked through those journals and, and just look at what folks were struggling with. And in fact, to be honest with you, I think probably, I can't remember exactly where I got the idea for this sermon series, but it was likely in the cabin reading the journals of how people were struggling. And so... This is one journal entry I want to read to you today. It's, I don't know this young lady. Uh, she just put her first name. But in one way or another, we're, we're all struggling. In one way or another, we all have issues that we're dealing with. And this young lady sat down and she wrote a letter to God on September the 7th, 2017. I'm not going to read the whole uh, letter that she wrote to God, but here's part of it. She said, God, I have never felt further away from you. Never felt more restless, anxious, and depressed than I do now. I go through the day like a submarine that is undetected. I, I pick up others' emotions, but I cannot register my own. Rest feels impossible. I cry over finances, over my future, and honestly, my faith. She goes on to say some other things, and then 
towards the end of her letter to God, she said, I'm so thankful that your love wins out over fear, anxiety, and depression, or I would not be here. Before I got here, my eyes felt glazed and heavy, my body rigid and numb. I was crying before I came through the door, but now I can breathe. I can admire this beautiful view and shut off my mind to turn my ear to you. And listen to how she ends it. She said, thank you, Jesus, for reaching into my mess to lighten my burden. Thank you, Jesus, for reaching into my mess to lighten my burden. What if you wrote a letter to God? What would it say? I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea for you to get a journal and just sit down and start making that part of your prayer time. Is I'm going to write my prayers out to the Lord. That's what these people have done. But what if you did write a letter to God? What would you say? What is it that you're struggling with that you would want to tell God about and ask His help with? You know, someone said that everyone is going through something we can't see. I think he's exactly right. Everyone is going through something we can't see. We all struggle with things, maybe not every day, but we all struggle with things from time to time. And a lot of times, others don't even know what we're struggling with. They can't see what we're struggling with. We all struggle with something others can't see. So in this new series we're starting today, we're going to be looking at four of the most common struggles that people have. Four of the most common struggles that people wrestle with. So today we're going to focus on anxiety. I'm going to go ahead and put that on the screen. We're going to look at these four topics. Today we're going to be talking about anxiety. And then next week we'll look at the struggle with addiction. And you need to be here next Sunday. You need to invite other people to join you next Sunday. Because that is such a huge issue. The various struggles that people have with addiction. And we'll be talking about that next week. Then the third week we'll look at the struggle of depression. And then on the last week of the series, Lord willing, we'll talk about struggling with grief and loneliness. That's another one where it'd be really good for you to invite somebody, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, uh, to join you as we talk about grief and loneliness. But today I want to talk to you about overcoming anxiety. On November, November the 5th, 2017, Kevin Love of the Cleveland Cavaliers experienced something he had never experienced before. And he did something he had never done before. On November the 7th, or November the 5th, 2017, in the middle of a, of a ball game against the Atlanta Hawks, Kevin Love, playing for Cleveland Cavaliers, had a panic attack. He wasn't sure what was happening. He had never experienced it before. He said, I just felt like I was about to die. Finally, the coach called a timeout, not for Kevin's sake, but to kind of devise his strategy and and during the timeout Kevin said I, I had all I could take and he ran to the locker room he said I ran from room to room to room he said my head was spinning my heart was racing I couldn't breathe I felt like I was going to die and he said I ended up eventually on the floor in the locker room on my back trying to get air enough air to breathe the sports world was amazed they were shocked that a pro athlete who has everything and has that kind of talent would, would have that kind of problem. They couldn't understand how somebody could have a panic attack and, and leave a professional basketball game. But I'll tell you something. There's probably about 50 million people who were not shocked at all. 
You see, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, anxiety disorders are reaching an epidemic proportions in our country. And in any given year, nearly 50 million Americans will feel the effects of a panic attack. Let that number sink in for a moment. 50 million experience a panic attack in any given year. Another research program said that anxiety-related issues are the number one mental health problem among women. The number one mental health problem among women is anxiety. And they said this, it's number two among men, second only to alcohol and drug abuse for men. The use of sedatives like Xanax and Valium have skyrocketed in the last 15 years. And even students are feeling it. One psychologist, this, this one broke my heart and blew my mind. One psychologist reports that the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. Max Licato has written a good book called Anxious for Nothing. I've been reading the book this week, got about halfway through it. And uh, in early in the book, he says, anxiety is a meteor shower of what ifs. He said, what if I don't close the cell? What if we don't get the bonus? What if we can't afford braces for the kids? What if my kids have crooked teeth? What if crooked teeth keep them from having friends or getting a career or, or marrying a spouse? What if they end up homeless and hungry holding a cardboard sign that says, my parents couldn't afford braces for me? <laughs> That's the way it is with anxiety. It's a long series of what ifs. And we worry about what might happen. We live in an age of anxiety, whether it's personal concerns or family matters or health problems, we all have reasons to worry and fret. We take our worries to bed with us, we wake up with them, and we carry them around during the day. In addition to all of that, we live in a world that seems to be at some high level of chaos all the time. And one example of that is, is this week, U.S. and the Allies attack on Syria uh, air bomb on Syria and Russia's pending response. We, we're at this high level of alert, not only in our country, but internally as well. In fact, get ready to congratulate yourself. According to one article that I read, the United States is now the most anxious nation in the world. Congratulations. Now, you would think that Christians are exempt from that. Because we have the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives and we know the creator of, of the entire world. We know the one who sovereignly rules everything. So you would think that we as Christians are somehow exempt from that, but we are not. In fact, you'll find it interesting perhaps if you do a study of the word anxious or anxiety, you'll find it interesting that the, that the word anxiety, the concept of being anxious, is found in both the Old and the New Testament. That both in Old Testament days and in New Testament days, they were struggling with what you were struggling with. You see, people have struggled with anxiety for thousands of years. This is an old problem that people have dealt with for a long, long time. So, what we're going to do today is ask and answer two very simple questions. The first question is this one. What is anxiety? And then the second, bigger question, how can we overcome anxiety. So I'm going to ask you to open your Bible with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And I want to start with this very simple question, what is anxiety? 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, 
Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on Him. Now, anxiety, is, as I've studied that word there in verse 7, I found out that really it's anxiety is a condition in which the mind is pulled in two different directions. You get that word picture in your mind. It, it's, it's, the, it's the condition where your mind is pulled in two different directions. And when you study that word, it means that there is a, a battle, at war going on inside you that is pulling you apart inside. This results in an emotional state of distress, and it dominates our thoughts. And if you know, if you've experienced anxiety, or if you, if you know somebody that has, especially if it gets into the area of a panic attack, you know how that dominates everything in their life. How that dominates their thoughts. Anxiety is basically a fearful reaction to our circumstances. And it's the unsettling awareness that we're not in control. Everybody listen to me. Listen to your pastor. When we suddenly realize we're not in control, we suddenly feel very, very out of control. And anxiety begins to take over because we start asking the what ifs and what about. One commentator said, our response to a load of trouble comes from our lot in life. This is just part of life. This is the way life happens, but it's our response to it that makes it troublesome. Write down this verse if you're taking notes. Proverbs 12.25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down. An anxious heart is like this heavy weight, and it weighs a man or a woman down. So if you haven't felt the sting of anxiety lately, I would just say, just wait, you will. Eventually you will. The Bible doesn't say you'll never have anxiety. The Bible says when you do have anxiety, you can do something with it. And that's what he tells us in verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God does indeed give us a way to do something with the anxiety that we feel. Now, you may say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I have very good reason to be anxious. And if I knew your circumstances better, I would probably say, you absolutely do. I mean, if I were you, I would be anxious too. I mean, if I were facing what you're facing, I would be tremendously anxious. But you may have reason to be anxious and worried when you hear about a problem, but the real issue is, what do you do about it once you do get anxious? It's okay to get anxious when you hear about a problem, but then what you do with it. Is the real issue. So let me talk to you number two. This is where I really want to spend some time. How do we overcome anxiety? It's an issue we all face, and some face it more than others, but, but how do we overcome anxiety? Well, I want you to look at verse 7. Look at the very first word in verse 7. At least in my translation, it's the very first word in verse 7 is the word cast. There's a method or a way that you can get rid of your worries. The Bible says it's tied up in this word cast. See, feeling anxious is not bad. Staying anxious is the problem. The word cast in verse 7 occurs only one other time in the New Testament. Now, you will find the word cast, the English word cast, at other places in both the Old and the New Testament. But the the Greek word that's used here in verse 7, it only appears one other place in the New Testament. It's very interesting where it appears. 
You don't have to turn there because I'm going to read the verse for you. But it it appears in Luke 19.35, if you're taking notes. Luke 19.35 is the story of Palm Sunday, and the disciples are sent to go get a donkey for Jesus to ride on. And it says in verse 35, they brought it to Jesus, and watch this, and casting their garments on the colt, they set Jesus on it. There's that word. The exact same word that's used in 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting their garments on the donkey. So the meaning is very simple and straightforward. If you have a garment on and you want an animal to carry it for you, watch this, you cast it on the animal. And in this way, you don't carry it anymore. The donkey does. And God says, listen, if you are anxious... Here's what you do with that anxiety. Cast your anxiety on the Lord, for He cares for you. It's an amazing thought, really, that God is willing to carry your anxiety. God is willing to shoulder your anxiety. God is saying, if you will just let go of it, I will take care of it. You might want to write that one down. If you will just let go of it, I will take care of it. Cast this on Him because He cares for you. So, here's where we start. Verse, uh, Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. Same concept. If you'll let go of it, He'll take care of it. Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. So now, the question today is, practically speaking, how do we do that? Right? I mean, it's one thing to preach a sermon, but how do you live it, right? Practically speaking, how do you cast your anxiety on the Lord? Some of you are sitting there thinking, Pastor, I'd love to do that because I've been so anxious lately about what I'm facing, about what's coming up this week, about what we're dealing with. I've been so anxious about our finances. I've been so anxious about my marriage. I've been so anxious about this test where I'm going to have. I'm so anxious about this surgery. I would love to cast my anxiety on, on God, but practically speaking, don't just give me a sermon. Practically speaking, how do I do it? So let me tell you two things that I think will help you. And these are based on Scripture. First, number one. You have to, first, number one, choose to believe God's promise. The the key word there is the word choose. Choose, underline, choose to believe God's promise. Go back to 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Look what it says. Cast all your anxiety on Him. And then notice that, The next word, right in the middle of the verse, is the word because. There's a because in verse 7. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you practically do something with the anxiety that you're experiencing. This is how you take the anxiety off of your back and put it on God's shoulders. How do you do that? Well, the Bible says you can claim this promise. He cares for you. That means He cares about you and He cares about what you're going through. So often, I think we trust God in the abstract. Now listen, this is about to get very, very practical. Wake up your neighbor and say, hey, you might need to hear this. Too often, we trust God in the abstract. You know what I mean by that? We talk about how we trust God and God's trustworthy and God's going to work all things out for good. Generally speaking, we believe that. We believe that God is good and that God is trustworthy and we trust God in the abstract. But a text like this means that we need to lay a specific anxiety on Him. 
A text like this means that we trust Him specifically about what we're facing tomorrow. We trust Him specifically about what we're dealing with this week. Cast, the Bible says, your, all your anxiety on Him because you believe this promise. He cares for you. The Greek language in this verse, I think, is very, very interesting. It, the, verse could be, the second half of the verse could be translated this way. It matters to him concerning you. Let me repeat that again. It matters to him concerning you. Cast all your anxiety on him because it matters to him concerning you. Would you say that phrase with me? I'll tell you why it's important in a second. It matters to him. Concerning you. Now, only three of you were awake. Could the rest of you join in? Let's say it one more time. It matters to him concerning you. That is a beautiful, beautiful concept. It matters to him. Cast all your anxiety, no matter what it is. No matter what's got you tied in knots, you can cast it on the Lord. And here's the reason, because it matters to him concerning you. Let that sink into your mind for a moment. It matters to Him concerning you regarding what you're feeling. It matters to Him concerning what you're struggling with. It matters to Him that you're fearful about the future. It matters to Him that you're having surgery next week. It matters to Him that your marriage is in a mess. It matters to Him that your finances are tied. It matters to Him concerning you. And the choice choice is yours to believe that or not, that it matters to him concerning you. See, the only way you're going to lay down your anxiety is to not trust God in a general way, but to trust God specifically, that it really does matter to him concerning you. He really is concerned about what you're feeling and wrestling with. It matters to Him concerning you. That's why Peter wrote, cast all your anxiety on Him. Doesn't matter what it is. Cast all your anxiety on Him. Because it matters to Him concerning you. So the first step in trying to live out this Scripture and, and to let God have our anxiety is to realize we have a choice to make and we have to choose to believe God's promise. The second thing that I would suggest that you do to deal with the anxiety you're going through is this. Express your trust in prayer. Not only, say, not only believing God's promise, but you have to express your trust. You do it through prayer. Go with me to another scripture, this one written by Paul in the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, going over to the left. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Wait a minute. How impractical can you be? Because you see, I'm the exception, right? My situation is the exception. If 
you understood what I'm going through. Paul says, no, I understand what you're going through. But if you understand something, you will realize that you don't need to be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in, what's the next word, church? But in what? In everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Express your trust through prayer. Tell God you trust Him. Pray to God about your anxiety. Express to Him all of your feelings. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, express your trust to God through prayer. And Paul says, if you'll do that, verse 7, if you'll do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Christ Jesus. That's where the struggle is, isn't it? It's in your heart, in your mind. That's where the battle is, isn't it? Those thoughts, those worries, express your trust in prayer. Mark Batterson says that you should think of worry as a prayer alarm. He says every time it goes off, you pray. Every time it goes off, you pray. Paul says essentially the same thing in verse 6. And verse 6 says don't be anxious for anything. For just zero, nada, nothing, zilch. Prayer is simply saying, okay, rather than holding on to this anxiety, rather than clinging to my anxiety, I will release it to the Lord and I'm going to express that through prayer. Prayer is simply expressing that you believe God cares about you. And you're going to trust Him. Prayer is the way we transfer our anxiety from our shoulders to His. You're going to trust Him. Now, you may be struggling with anxiety and say, Pastor Keith, I just want to tell you something. This is the me I don't want to be. I am so anxious, and this is the me I don't want to be. Listen to me. Anxiety comes with life, but it doesn't have to dominate your life. You can invite God into your struggle. Do you hear that? You can invite God into your struggle. Because it matters to Him concerning you. I want to show you a man who did that. I don't know his name. I've never met him. I don't really know a whole lot about his story. But I really like his testimony. We're going to put it on the screen. It's found in in Psalms. Psalm 94, verse 18 and 19. Here's his testimony. He said, when I said my foot is slipping... I am about to go under here. My foot is slipping. Your love, O oh Lord, supported me. It matters to him concerning you. He finally realized that. When I said my foot is slipping, your love, O oh Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation or your love brought joy to my soul. When anxiety was great within me, your love brought joy to my soul. And He can do it for your soul too. If you would choose to believe the promise that He cares for you, that you personalize it, that He cares for you, that it matters to Him concerning you, choose to believe that promise and then express your trust in Him 
through prayer. And you may have to do that every day. But this man testifies that when I was slipping, when I was about to go under, when I was about to lose it, I suddenly found something that held me up. When I was about to lose it, my foot is slipping, your love, O oh Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. I want you to experience that. I want you to know that peace that passes all understanding. Isn't that what he talks about in that verse? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. May you do it again in your life. Let me pray with you. you, Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to know, first of all, that if you are anxious and you would like to invite God into your situation, as I was talking about, it may, the first step may be inviting God to be your Savior, establishing a personal relationship with God. And you may be religious or you may know a lot about the Bible or a lot about God, but, but do you have a personal relationship with God? You see, the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, not just for yours, but for mine too, for our sins. He died in our place. He died as a sacrifice so that we wouldn't have to pay for the sins we've committed, so that he could offer us forgiveness. And the Bible says if we'll simply put our faith that Christ died for our sins, if we put our faith in that, that he died on the cross for you and me, the Bible says that God will give us forgiveness and God will come to live in us. That's the first step, probably, in dealing with your anxiety is, do you know Jesus personally? If you don't, today I would love to introduce him to you. And we're going to sing in, in just a moment, and, and you could just come right down front. And, and I, don't worry about other people, but you just come right to where I am. And I will uh, pray with you and we'll be happy to help you understand how you can ask Christ to be your Savior. For those of you who do know the Lord as Savior, but you're still struggling with the the daily pressure of something, and it's caused this anxiety to rise and rise and rise within you. I hope that this will stay in your spirit, that it matters to Him concerning you. And I hope that you'll claim that promise. Choose. Make today the deliberate choice. He does care about you. Make that choice. Choose to believe that promise and then express your faith to Him, your trust in Him through prayer. And you can do that right here, right now. Father, thank You for Your love and Your mercy. Thank You for speaking to us through Your Word. And even in anxious days, thank You that You offer us peace beyond understanding. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.